Welcome to the Jam Yearbook, hosers. I'm Bob. And I'm his brother, Doug, eh? We're here to take you on a journey through the years as we explore the music in our lifetime and the impact it's had on us and the world we've lived in. How's it going, eh? <laughs> you better bring some good songs to the show this week, Hosehead. Take off, eh? You take off. <laughs> you you better take bring off. some good songs. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to version 1983, everyone. Or, uh, as we have been calling it, the Huey Lewis and the News Sports episode. Yeah. You know, a wise man once said, the early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album was a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Ah, no truer words have ever been spoken. (laughs) (laughs) If you can hear us doing some heavy breathing, it's the excitement building up as we get ready to talk about the music from this year. From 1992 to 1983 this time, this might be the best leap from year to year we've had in the run of the show so far. Well, that explains my breathing. I'm not so sure about Jim. He's got his camera she turned bop, off for some she reason. Bop, we bop, I bop, you bop, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what. That's where we're going with the show. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be a tall build to fit everything going on in 1983, and but it's gonna be a great ride down memory lane. And if you're thinking, oh no, it's gonna be one of those versions where they just name song after song after artist after artist. True. But you're only mostly right. It's going to be fun while we do it. (laughs) But before we get to the name checking, it's time to remember some important losses in the world of music for 1983. Yes. I'll start us off with Karen Carpenter. In 1969, at the age of 19, Karen released her first album with her older brother, Richard, as the Carpenters. They had a minor hit with a remake of the Beatles' Ticket to Ride. After that, it was a string of top tens in the early 70s. They Long to Be Close to You, Superstar, We've Only Just Begun were just a few I grew up learning how to sing along with. That dual harmony with her brother is amazing. Not only did she have a fantastic voice, but Karen was also an incredible drummer. She struggled with anorexia from an early age, and it had put a strain on her heart. She collapsed at her parents' house and was rushed to the hospital where she passed away at the age of 32. Yeah, so talented. And then there was Dennis Wilson. He was the backbeat of the Beach Boys. He was the drummer on most of their early and very famous recordings that we all know. His life did have a bit of controversy because he befriended and spent time with Charles Manson and the Manson family. (laughs) That would do it. Yeah, it would. He lost nearly a million dollars in today's money just supporting them while they were living in his house. But eventually he left his own house in fear. He had bouts with addiction but he was always loved and welcomed back by his family and the band. Sadly, he drowned trying to recover his ex-wife's belongings that had gone off a boat three years earlier. He was 39 years old. Okay, Matt, let's just put the sadness behind us. Just like Lionel Richie, we're going to have a party and we could probably go on about 1983 all night long. You like these puns? I do. So let's get (laughs) into some of our best childhood music. Hello, Lionel. I was a little surprised when I learned that he left the Commodores and they had run their course and Lionel was his songwriting. He was really leaning into the slow jams. I loved it when the Commodores would slow it down. So songs like Penny Lover and Stuck on You weren't big leaps for me. Lionel Richie has given me some of some of the greatest music in my life. Yeah. Another band in 1983. I'm just going to go right right into them. Roll right in. Let's do it. The police were everywhere. 
if you were there, you can't forget Sting and his upright bass creeping everyone out, saying that he was basically <laughs> going to become a stalker. I'll be watching you every breath you take. I remember going to a wedding, and this was the couple's first dance. Even my 12-year-old mind thought, this is a kind of an odd choice for a wedding song. I knew there was something <laughs> creepy about it. Yeah, and once it gets pointed out to you, you never hear it the same way again. Mm-mm. And this was a great way for a band to go out. From the very beginning, the police were making incredible albums that saw the band evolve, they refined their sound, and it culminated in synchronicity. Even with multiple hits, Every Breath You Take, King of Pain, Wrapped Around Your Finger, they still found a way to slip in the oddball songs like Mother or Miss Gradenko. Yes. And then another band that aged like a fine wine was the Talking Heads. Oh, they were still in peak form in 1983. Do you remember the video for Burning Down the House with David Burns oh, yeah. head projected onto the side of it? <laughs> I don't know why, but for some reason, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> there was something about the imagery in that video that just gave me the heebie-jeebies. Did it give you Amityville horror vibes or something? That must have been it. It must have been it. <laughs> oh, it kind of remember... had a house on fire effect as well. Yeah, yeah they were like projecting... It. Projecting yeah. all the slides. Yeah. And I remember this from Revenge of the Nerds when the Alpha Betas <laughs> burned their frat house down. Fireball. Fireball. <laughs> That's a better memory to have for that. <laughs> but the album also had other great songs. Girlfriend is Better and Slippery People. The live version of Slippery People, I slipped that into another show off of the soundtrack for Stop Making Sense into my five because that's one of my favorite live recordings of all time. Another band and definitely a band I think you and I had going on in high school. That was the Violent Femmes. They made a career pretty much out of this debut album. I used to play the first three songs off of this, including Blister in the Sun at acoustic gigs. But then you also had Added Up and God Daddy Gone. A happy concert moment for me was getting to see them in a small club, and I knew they were going to pass through a back corridor on their way off the stage. I went down... And I got to shake Gordon Gano's hand and thank him for writing these songs. Another snippet that I think we know, but maybe everyone else doesn't, is that their bass player, Brian Ritchie, is a fellow Vermonter. And he played that night the Vermont State Anthem on stage. It was hilarious. Nobody knew it, but we were all yeah. happy to hear him play. And it was awesome. It was oh, a wow. great night. Wow, I didn't know he was a Vermonter. That's uh, That's kind of cool. Uh, the, the Femmes, they were definitely something I found later in the 80s, so it's a little confusing to talk about them here. And at the age we were in 1983, and the age that we were in 1983, we're probably not going to hear a song like Added Up on the radio. No. <laughs> Why can't I get, yeah, we're not yeah. going to go any further down the road. But I, I was watching an interview with Brian Ritchie, and he said they were basically trying to sound like the Ramones, except acoustic. And yes, there we go. I slipped one in there. I there got we go. D- we got the Ramones. Dosage of Ramones lately. Uh, <laughs> Subterranean Jungle, they released in 1983. It was another album I didn't find till later on. But Psychotherapy, and they covered uh, Time Has Come Today. They fit right in with classic Ramones tunes. Nice. Well, you know, someone else who I didn't pick up until a little later on, but we discussed talking about him in the 1989 episode, that was Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, 1983 is the year that just kept on giving later Mm. down the line for us. And his album, Pride and Joy, Texas Flood and Lenny, these were all classics. The song Mary Had a Little Lamb. I I played that in a band a few times. I also had the opportunity to play Texas Flood with a guy who could 
I also had the opportunity to play Texas Flood with a guy who could really tear up the neck of a guitar. These are songs that get into your bones. Oh, so many of his songs do. Pride and Joy mm-hmm. does it for me. That's that's probably my favorite song of his. There are hundreds of guitarists where you watch and go, holy shit, but Steve Ray Vaughan can leave you speechless. And then in 1983, the groundwork for the future of alternative music was laid. R.E.M. released Murmur and Radio Free Europe is a song we all probably know if you know R.E.M. And the replacements were... And the replacements released their classic album, Hootenanny. The song Within Your Reach has a close place to my heart. It was featured in the movie Say Anything. And in my opinion, is the best use of flange guitar in a song. (laughs) It's the whole song, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, synth pop was all over, too. Flock of Seagulls, Thompson Twins. The Eurythmics pulled an old school move by releasing two albums in 1983, giving Mm -hmm. us the hit Sweet Dreams Are Made of This and Here Comes the Rain Again. Those were must-haves for me on 45. I I must have supplied the largest portion of my 45 collection in 83. Nice. Well, Annie Lennox is a hometown hero, the city I now live in. Oh, I can't believe I never knew she was Scottish. Yeah. That's kind of neat. In doing this show, it's proved to me that Scotland has produced its fair share of great bands and talented people. I haven't talked about any Scottish bands in a while, and I'm going to change that now with Big Country. Well, you'll be happy to know they just performed locally uh, within the past couple of months here. Oh, that's so cool. I'm happy to hear that. That's awesome Mm -hmm. that they're still going out. Uh, The Crossing was another great 1983 album. I still don't know how they got that guitar to sound like bagpipes. But it's pretty amazing. <laughs> in a big country, in fields of fire, 400 miles, have such great riffs and vocal melodies. They're big anthemic sing-along songs. And the video for In a Big Country really made me want a three-wheeler badly. <laughs> so we're done with Scotland for now. Let's switch over to England. Okay. Another big one, Duran Duran. They put out their most successful album, Seven and the Ragged Tiger. It wasn't their best. You're not going to beat Rio. That's my my opinion. But Seven mm-hmm. and the Ragged Tiger was a really good album. They had such a great trajectory coming off Rio, and there was a lot of anticipation for this follow-up. I remember buying all the 45s when they came out. In 1984, we were visiting family in Washington, D.C. I think I brought this up in that episode. Uh, thankfully, they had MTV, and they there was this huge buildup to the release for the video of The Reflex. That album hung out with me for a long time. Now, I really like the reflex and and I know this album Seven and the Ragged Tiger was the most successful that they had. But do you think that was a spillover of how amazing Rio was? Because when I look at the song tracks, I see more hits in my mind off of Rio than I saw off of this album. Yeah, there were a few off seven. Uh, but if you look at the charts this week, the week that we're the week that we're recording this show right now. The song Rio was, I think, like still a top 20 hit. Yeah. So they were writing songs, obviously, to capitalize on that success they had out of Rio. But there is a little Mm -hmm. bit, there is a different sound on uh, Seven and the Ragged Tiger as compared to Rio. And I've shown David Bowie a lot of respect over the show for his creativity and the longevity, but not so much for his music. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think fatigue, if I'm being honest, has played a huge part in that. And Bowie purists are probably laughing by now, but but I'll take Let's Dance any day. It's the first music of his that made an impact on me. Uh, it's a great song. Go listen to Modern Love. 
if mm. you put on headphones and you listen to that song, it does sound like, and I believe this is a true story, that there was a piano in the room that they just went and set a mic up and started recording you know, one of the guys playing on. And it's just a real, in all that music, you think 80s new wave and pop and dance and what Bowie was creating. And you go listen to the mix of it and you can hear this really pure, nice piano sound in the middle of all of it. I, yes. I recommend it because I know you like to seek that stuff out. Oh yeah, it's a great I, song. I read a Bowie biography around this time and I don't know if it was appropriate reading for my 11 to 12 year old brain, but it definitely mesmerized me. <laughs> he did what? What's going on here? <laughs> the glorification of the rock and roll lifestyle probably started a little too early for me. And it might explain some things about me. If you knew me personally. <laughs> but you're, you're wrong about the purists. I believe. I think they came around to embracing this album eventually. Once the world kind of knew that it was produced by Niles Rogers and session work was done by Steve Ray Vaughn on it, it turned into something that you didn't raise your nose up at. Nope, not at all. So another artist that I've had less than glowing things to say about is Elton John. <laughs> I've heard his music for as long as I can remember. He's had some great ones, not uh -huh. so great ones. I still hate Crocodile Walk. Don't play I won't or sing, sing that. You. Okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, but the songs that he gave me in 82 and 83 right here, I, I can kind of forgive a little bit because I'm still standing. And I guess that's why they call it. The blues are two of my favorites of his all time. Um, there were songs along with 84 sad songs. Say so much that Elton John really clicked with me after listening to I'm still standing. And I guess that's why they call it the blues this week. I can almost forgive crocodile rock because <laughs> I love those songs so much. I'm not there hundred percent, but maybe one day I will be. <laughs> and then I may get some side eye from Jim. When I talk about Genesis, <laughs> speaking of people that we've had, you know, rough things to say about um, their self-titled release is a classic from the jump with mama. And that's all this album demands. I listen to it all the way through. Surprise. I love this album. Oh, good. Yeah. I was actually going to perform. That's all for the sixth grade school lip sync competition but somehow wound up as the bassist from Toto playing Africa instead. <laughs> Miming the high harmony. Uh, yeah. <laughs> acting, acting like I was actually doing something when yeah. really you don't hear the bass in that song at all. <laughs> but no, I loved this Genesis album and uh, I love the, the music video for that's all. And I think that's kind of what inspired me to uh, want to perform that song, but yeah, good, good album. Good yeah. stuff. And then the Alan Parsons Project is a band we rarely talk about, with good reason. There's some yeah. good songs, but much of it, it's probably a little bit beyond us. It's not something that we you know, usually reach for. They had a string of hits in the early 80s, and it peaked with Don't Answer Me. The video for it should be talked about right alongside Thriller and Take On Me. That's a pretty interesting and creative video. I don't know if I've ever seen it. I'll check oh, it out. Oh, you should. It's really cool. Yeah. It seems like every couple of weeks in 1983, there was something else that was the next hottest thing. It's almost impossible to say one group or song was the thing. But for a long time in the early 80s, Billy Idol did his best to stake a claim to that title with Rebel Yell. Yeah. We're only about halfway through the show, folks. We're just really kind of scratching <laughs> the surface. Hopefully we've jarred some memories loose and you're listening to the radio along with us in your head. If you go back and give version 1982 a listen, a lot of that music from that huge year is still holding on as well. 
Michael mm-hmm. Jackson was still charting with Thriller, but he also teamed up with Paul McCartney for their second hit together, Say, 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 from McCartney's Pipes of Peace. This was Michael Jackson's seventh top 10 hit inside a year. Yeah, this was a marriage of the best of both worlds for me. As a kid, I grew up as a big Beatles fan, and Michael was just rising to his peak. And come on, everyone our age loved him with Thriller Mm -hmm. during this time. So I couldn't get enough of Say, Say, Say. Whenever that video came on, I was just like, oh, Oh, here we go. The television. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, let me ask you, Matt, do you bop? Why, yes, Jim, I do. Why do you ask? Uh, Because he bops and she bops, so we bop. What do you think Cindy Lauper was talking about? I think she's kind of talking about Wait, master- wait, wait, wait. No, 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 don't. No, no, oh, oh, we're not, yeah, we're that. not that kind of show. Yeah. I'll just say that it was included on the Parents Music Resource Center's Filthy 15 list due to its sexual lyrics. It actually led to the creation of the Parental Advisory sticker. And we can leave it there. That's all we need to know. But She's So Unusual by Cyndi Lauper was an amazingly unique pop album. And her songwriting is is great. Time after time, girls just want to have fun. And even Prince penned a song, When You Were Mine, on that album. And, you know, for me, being 11 or 12 years old, she had a bunch of WWF wrestlers running around in <laughs> yeah. her videos. Or she's showing up with the Goonies in, you know, specifically Captain Lou Albano in her music videos. So she was really the coolest. It was a great year for women, though. Madonna also really kind of debuted. And these are still my favorite Madonna songs. Borderline and Holiday are the first two I'm probably going to reach for when people ask me to put on a Madonna tune. Yeah, this is the Madonna I care to remember. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Nicks was still flexing her muscles on her solo career, too. Yep, yep. She was driving and became inspired to write Stand Back when she heard, speaking of Prince, Little Red Corvette on the radio. She she called Prince up and told him the story of how he inspired her to write the song. And he ended up playing some synthesizer on it. That's cool. I didn't know that. I did, I just learned it this week. <laughs> and anytime we can talk more Prince, Hey, you started it. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in keeping with women, Joan Jett, she blew up in 1981 with I love rock and roll. She and the black hearts followed it up in 1983 with an album awkwardly titled album album yeah. <laughs> it sounds like they just had a creative block said screw it album it, they should have had every song just called music <laughs> <laughs> exactly joan proved her prior effort was no fluke i love her original songs but she has a knack for making great covers like sly and the family stones everyday people yeah that's still good stuff that they were putting out and then we're going to switch gears a little bit and then i think sticks kind of had their final big moment in 1983 Kilroy Was Here was not a great album by most measures, but Mr. Roboto, that song itself captivated me. I used to stare at the album cover and wonder if I'd ever see this movie because there are like photos on the mm-hmm. cover that look like they come from a film. Yep. And if you open the gatefold on the album, you're like, this has to be a movie. Where it is has it? to be. Yeah. I kept waiting to find out when it was going to come <laughs> out, but apparently they're just photos taken for the album and there wasn't one. And to be honest, Matt, Still disappointed. I want to see the Mr. Roboto <laughs> movie. We need to see this happen. But also, Don't Let It End was the first song I ever shared with a girl as our song. Well, she, anyway, she told me it was our song. Basically, it was playing, and she turned to me, and she was like, that's our song. Like, really, who picks okay. up a breakup song? Your asshole friends do. 
<laughs> hold on, I'll dial up Heartbreak Station. It's intermission time anyway. Yeah, that's version 1991, everyone, if you have no clue what Matt's talking about. It's a heartwarming story. Oh, yes. <laughs> but Cinderella wasn't around yet, but metal was starting to creep into my life. If I didn't find it in 1983, I came back frequently when I found bands later in the 80s and dug back into their catalogs. A lot of our friends were banging their heads to Quiet Riot. Metal Health mm-hmm. was an absolutely huge album. But there was also debuts. Uh, Ronnie James Dio had his debut. Dokken, Metallica, Suicidal Tendencies. Why don't you give me a Pepsi? No, you're on drugs. All I want is a Pepsi, Matt. <laughs> and then... You got a gin and tonic. Just be happy with that. (laughs) In an unexpected debut from Pantera. Uh, Metal Magic is not Cowboys from Hell. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's not bad. It kind of is more in line with, you know, hair metal at the time. It was actually kind of surprising. It was really cool. It's classified as glam rock. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And, And there were a few albums that got most of my attention. Kiss. They came back into my life in a huge way with Lick It Up. They hadn't been on my radar since... I was probably like eight, maybe. <laughs> and these were not the Kiss songs I remembered. Well, not totally, at least. They they had a harder sound, but they could still pump out ones full of innuendo and double entendres like the title track and fits like a glove. Kiss will never be confused for wordsmiths, <laughs> but they just write rock songs that, that get me. And I wore out my cassette of Molly Crew Shout at the Devil. I had to make a copy so I could ruin that one too. <laughs> oh. That was a good that was a good album. Yeah. That looks that kill. And the cover of Helter Skelter stood out on this one for me. I loved Mick Mars guitar work as a kid on this album. I went back and listened to it the other day, and it still sounds solid. Oh, and yeah. Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee's drums just hit really hard. It yeah. sounds great. Yeah, it's good oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's he's obviously he's well respected as being one of the best drummers. Uh, yeah. I'll throw Too Young to Fall in Love in as, as a classic in my book, too. I listened to that album well into 84 and 85, probably 86 and 87, too. <laughs> <laughs> and people are gaga over Def Leppard's Hysteria. And it's a great album, but for me, Pyromania is the superior one. Pyromania isn't bloated. There isn't a wasted minute on that album. My friend Jerry brought it over one day, and thankfully she forgot it at my house. I was hooked. One thing always felt a little off, though. Years ago, I learned that Mutt Lang and his engineers used drum sampling for everything except the cymbals. What? Yeah, I know. That annoyed me at first, but I also felt relieved that I wasn't that nuts. I could actually, you know, realize that something wasn't 100% right. But regardless, I wouldn't change a thing on Pyromania. It's perfect. Yeah, I think Hysteria was the sound of we've arrived, almost that we're going to take over the world. And I also think it's very interesting that he used sample drums because that's a very electronic kind of sound that they have in there. And then once their drummer lost his arm and went on to play a different type of set live, he was playing an electronic drum set. So that sound really kind of never changed. Pyromania still has that raw sound, though, of a band really going for it. It's a little more metal and a little less accessible for the radio. And, but I agree with what you said. And I'm sure, like me, you got excited when you heard Gunta Glieben, Glocken, Globen. How many and times did kids just rewind just to hear those four Just to hear that over words. and over again. Someone out there right now thinks I've just counted to four in Norwegian or German or some other language. I remember being told that when I was a kid. So I thought that for years. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint everybody. You're right, Matt. What you just said, gibberish. That's what it was. It means nothing. 
But the song was memorable enough, Rock of Ages, to have a hit musical film named after it 30 years later. And then there was everyone's, and then there was a favorite of many, Ozzy Osbourne. He released Bark at the Moon. Um, I've already said this before. This was the very first cassette I bought. Well, it was a two for that day. I'll get to that in a minute. I, <laughs> I've probably told that story before. I saw the videos for the title track and so tired. Man, I the next day rode my bike downtown with paper route money in my pocket to see if I could find it. I did, but I also found something else. It felt really strange buying Bark at the Moon and Billy Joel's An Innocent Man at the same time. I don't think two albums could be further from each other. That is an odd double purchase, <laughs> but I can understand why you got both of them. And they were both big albums. I was obsessed with the Billy Joel album. When I saw the Uptown Girl video for the first time, it gave me hope that the nice guy didn't finish last. <laughs> and and the longest time was just a great acapella throwback. We have not made it a secret that this was our Billy Joel era on this show. We've been waiting to talk about it. Yeah, we may have given the impression that we aren't, you know, really big Billy Joel fans. A lot of his songs are just fatigued. But, you know, there was a time when he was one of the coolest things to listen to. And a little honesty here, I like An Innocent Man more than Bark at the Moon. It, it might be tied with Glass Houses for best Billy Joel album for me. I knew Uptown Girl, but I didn't expect the whole thing to pay homage to the music he listened to growing up. It was a big stylistic change leaning into soul and doo-wop. And it was, you know, it was probably a pretty big gamble on his part, but it paid off. I still listen to that whole album today. During drink over practices with my band, more than once when we've had enough to keep on playing, oh, it's karaoke time to this one. Three drunk guys trying to figure out how the harmonies for the longest time is pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I could talk about Billy Joel all night. This is another album that we could have just have a show about. There was something else that happened, though. I'm talking about seeing the video for Uptown Girl. And I, I would say that probably one of the very first music videos of all time that I saw was the Separate Ways video by Journey. And I thought at the time that these guys were the coolest guys in the world. Hands down, nobody were going to beat these guys. And now I go back and I watch this video and they're playing air drums, air keyboards, <laughs> air guitar, standing around in with like no an empty sound stage or something. Yeah. Lip syncing. Bands like Journey, they were incredible for what they did in their era, but the the predictiveness of Video Killed the Radio Star was meant for guys like Steve Perry, unfortunately. And you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but separate ways, it was a killer track, and faithfully too. I mean, that's a great album. Another killer album from 1983. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Faithfully was a, a wedding song for years. Many for people. people, many that was just massive. Yeah. So let me also ask how. All right, so let me ask, how have you gotten this far with mentions of metal and you haven't brought up Peace of Mind or Kill Em All? Those are supposed to be uh, your jams to talk about, not yeah. mine. That's the kind of year we're dealing with. I mean, we, we rolled right into Billy Joel and Journey, and then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jim, reel us back in. I, I rushed past Metallica like their debut was no big deal. Um, I was just on to the next shiny thing that I just had to talk about. I'm a very <laughs> excitable puppy today. <laughs> Sorry, metal fans. It, it's a significant release. It's freaking Metallica. It is. 
It, it is completely. Seek and Destroy was one of the first songs I played in a band. I had no idea what it was at the time. One of the guys, I, I think it was Mark, he, he was a fan. So we learned it. And Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind is something I came to a few years down the road, but fell in love with the Trooper, Flight of Icarus. As soon as I heard them and, and wondered why it took me so long to come around to them. It, it's weird. Sometimes you judge it on the artwork of the album. And then when you actually listen to it, you're like, oh, no, the, the, the they should have just chose a better door for me when I was that age. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take but us the away artwork from is that. cool. Yeah, but <laughs> right? it was cool. Yeah. But it just yeah. told me something else was going to be going on when I listened <laughs> to it. <laughs> well, all right. I'm going to shift gears and take us away from metal. A band that was to be the measurement of success for the next decade. U2 released the classic album War in 1983. And this had songs like Sunday, Bloody Sunday, New Year's Day, Two Hearts Beat as One. It changed music forever. People can say whatever they want about what U2 turned into, but the early albums of theirs are always going to sound raw, filled with protest, and as creative musically and lyrically as anything else that came out of the 80s for me. Yeah, you you can't tell the story of music without you too. There's a lot of bands yeah. that probably wouldn't be around without having them to inspire them and push them along the way. Exactly. And I feel like we would incur the wrath of Canadians if we don't show some love to Night Ranger, Corey Hart, Loverboy, and Brian Adams. There could be a few more I'm I'm forgetting, but those to me were probably the big four that we should hit to. Yeah, because Sister Christian and Sunglasses at Night, those uh, yeah. are iconic <laughs> hits. Mm -hmm. Hot Girls in Love by Loverboy was an instant hit. And Reckless, like Hysteria, is the album from Brian Adams that gets all the hype, but give me Cuts Like a Knife any day. This time, straight from the heart and Cuts Like a Knife, boom, boom, boom. One right after the other on side one. Classics. I love them. I don't think I heard side two for a week. My brother came home one day with the Cuts Like a Knife cassette, and I couldn't get enough of it. And looking back at it this week, though, I'm going to take away a perception, I think, that I had of Brian Adams. I thought later on he turned into this ballad guy. Now, I know he'd had heaven, but it, it just seemed like his ballads were what dominated the charts as we left the 80s and went into the 90s. But he was showing his cards right here. Straight from the heart is as good as any of those ballads that came later. If you need a slow dance, dial up Brian Adams. He's your man. He's always there. <laughs> yes. Okay. So at the beginning of the show, if you didn't know this, people, Matt was giving the speech from American Psycho. But we need to talk about sports. Huey Lewis, not baseball. <laughs> sports, the album. <laughs> it's, it, I think I said before that it's hard to pick an album of the year from 1983 because it's just jam-packed with absolute terrific music. Yeah, but the one I have to choose, it's got to be sports. I still listen to this album beginning to end at least a dozen times a year. Once I start, it's over. I can't stop. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's on repeat. Um, Back to the family trip we had in D.C. in 84. Another hyped up video release was for my favorite song from the album. If this is it. Mm -hmm. A few versions ago, you mentioned how they blended doo-wop into their music. And I can't believe I never made that comparison before. It's it's spot on. Their commitment to harmonies won me over early in their career. And it makes me love them to this day. Every song. Every song on sports is <laughs> killer. Most people probably think walking on a thin line or finally found her home 
are only good or okay songs, bullshit. They're awesome. Everything on that album is terrific. That is my album for 1983. I'm sure I'm not alone. I think, Matt, this would eternally be our sing-along album if we were, you know, in a car. Going oh, easily. Oh, yeah, shit. Down, yeah. down the interstate together. We share this love for Huey Lewis and the News. I tortured my poor parents with a concert video from this tour for a year. That was a I great did- one. Yeah, I'd attempt to get them to rent it from New England Video almost <laughs> every second or third week. They would pick it up just to shut me up. <laughs> Along with the songs you mentioned, there was you know, the radio songs, I Want a New Drug. This was really the one that caught my attention. And The Heart of Rock and Roll is an incredible showcase of horns, guitar, and Huey playing the harmonica, the kick drum heartbeat that just completes the song. Oh, yeah. And should we show mercy on everyone and stop talking now? <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap, everyone. Sorry for the immense download of our brains. I, I, and I think we've held back too. If we had another half hour, we, we could talk about maybe yes or Asia. Oh, I like this loud. game. Yeah, Men at Work, Stray Cats, Culture <laughs> oh my Club. God. Yeah, uh, the, even the Kinks in 1983 the Kinks, had a song the tubes, with Come Dancing. Come Dancing, yeah. Tube, She's a Beauty. Holy crap. Hey, Matt, yeah, turn huge. around, Bright Eyes. Oh, yeah. Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> I almost turned around for real. Looked as looked as <laughs> coming behind me. Every now and then I fall apart. <laughs> That'll be enough. Normally we save our playlist editions until the end of the show. But this time around, we sprinkled them into the conversation. Can you guess what songs? You'll win a million dollars. No, you won't. Hey, win hey, anything. stop that right now. <laughs> <laughs> that will not be a check we can write. <laughs> but we're going to give a recap of what we're adding this week. And we've already kind of talked about some of this music through the show. Uh, Matt, you chose this monster, 1983. So why don't you lead us off? Okay, I will. Uh, So the first song we're going to bring is not one that we mentioned. We didn't get to talk about it. It Okay. You know, I kind of lost track of it, but it's Jackson Brown and Lawyers in Love. Jackson Brown was winding down the hit-making era of his career, but he went out on a high note for me, starting with his contribution to the Ridgemont High soundtrack in 82, and then this album, Lawyers in Love. There's a somber, almost haunting quality to this song that's just always stuck with me. Nice. Good choice. And then I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. I'm going to give you my five. Jim's going to go five, then I'll go five, and just to keep things moving along. My second song is Big Country in a Big Country. Yep. Def Leppard photograph. Nice. Kiss, lick it up. And mm-hmm. Huey Lewis on the news. If this is it. Awesome. Well, I'm going to mention for my first song, something that also didn't get spoken about during the show. And that is, I'm just going to say Kenny and Dolly. Cause that's what I wrote in the notes. And you know who those people you are. You know people. who these people are. And you know, this song it's islands in the stream. I didn't talk about the album in the show because this is a song in a singular moment in music, not really an album that people remember. But here you had Kenny's voice along with Dolly's exchanging lead and harmony during the verses and a song written by Barry Gibb. If I think of this song, and I probably will now, I'm going to hum it for the rest of the day. It is pure musical magic, Islands in the Stream. You can't say the title of the song without wanting to sing it. No, no, you just it, have it, to it's start a, it's singing it. It's an earworm. It's a great song. Love it. Yeah. 
So then I have after that mentioned it earlier, the replacements, the flange guitar song within your reach. I have Huey Lewis, the news. So we knew we were going to have two songs oh, at yeah, least off that album. <laughs> and that's, I want a new drug. My favorite song off of synchronicity. My favorite police song of, of all is believe it or not, synchronicity too by the police. So I was oh. really excited to get to this year. You almost sang the words you shouldn't in the show. <laughs> and, uh, it's the Violent Femmes and the song added up. I'll always have a strong association to that show and some of the summer camps that I went to. So those yes. are my five and, to start. And people can feel free to sing along in the car because yes. nobody else should be able to hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are your final five here in the show? My final five. I'll cap it off with David Bowie and Let's Dance. Yeah. Alan Parsons Project. Don't Answer Me. Love that song. Another Elton John song for me. I think this is the second one I've added, and it's a little bit surprising to me. I'm still standing. I don't like Elton John. Here's I know. By Elton John. But here's another song by Elton John. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, I'll fill it up with a, finish it up with a, and then I'll finish it up with a couple classics. The Ramones, Psychotherapy, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, their cover of Everyday People. Yeah, that's a good cover. I'm glad you put that on the playlist. So I talked about it earlier in the show. But if we're going to be here in 83, I've got to have Stevie Ray Vaughan in the song Texas Flood. And come on, everybody, get your tissues out. We are going to listen to Cindy Lauper's Time After Time. After that, the spooky song for Jim. Also, check out the Tom Jones cover because it's really good. Yes, it is. But that's the talking heads burning down the house. I'm going to go back to you two Sunday, Bloody Sunday. It was a hard choice between kind of new year's day and this one. Mm. But I, I went back and kept listening to the intros over and over again and thought about what got me more amped to hear the whole song and Sunday, bloody Sunday is just a brilliant song. And finally the last song on this show, and you're either going to cheer along with me as an inner 12 year old, or you're going to throw tomatoes and rotten eggs at me. Did I say tomatoes? <laughs> yes, I did. did. That's, that's <laughs> living over here in the UK. <laughs> Anyway, throw them at me now just for that. I'm going to say it is Sticks, Mr. Roboto. Oh, no tomatoes here. That's a great song. <laughs> Come on. Everybody loves it. Who was Kilroy? I'm Kilroy, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> wow. So you know, I, I feel like we really whipped through some things. I feel like I got whiplash from going from one band to the next, to the next song, to the next. Now we can all breathe freely and relax because 1983 we're done with. <laughs> and Jim is going to tell us where we're going to go to next. Oh, I'm going to miss 1983. Can we just do this all over again next week? Part two next week. Yeah. Let's go. The Electro Boogaloo. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to step away from any year and do a special. We haven't done a special for a few episodes. We are kind of doing a lot at once and then we kind of stepped away from it. But I think this will excite everybody. Because we're coming upon the summer season and the summer blockbuster season. So we are going to do a soundtrack episode. We're going to talk about great soundtracks, how they affect films, how they make them better. But we're going to put some parameters around the songs we pick to go on the playlist. And that is that the song has to be specifically written for the soundtrack of that film. So we'll talk probably about Mrs. Robinson. We'll probably talk about you know, a, a few different songs off Quentin Tarantino soundtracks. But when it comes to our five, we're going to have to stick strictly to It Was Written. 
So that's three songs by Kenny Loggins right there. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong there. No. Holy cow, he is prolific. <laughs> I'm all right. Uh, we're going to look forward to talking about the 1980s because that was definitely a decade. We're going to come back oh, yeah. to this decade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's going to be heavy in the 80s for sure. It is. It is. And if you bring Celine Dion, I'm quitting the show. Uh, that won't happen. <laughs> Unless we do covers and I'll bring the, the uh, low straight jackets. Oh, no, because it's not on the soundtrack. Oh, true, true, true. Yes, yes. <laughs> but 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 I'll I'll make sure the audience po- votes it. I'll put it on the audience poll. And they'll vote it on. Don't just do to... that. Why, <laughs> why would you punish yourself? <laughs> just so you can hear that flute intro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it's my turn to wrap it up. This it week. is. It's always. Yeah, your turn. <laughs> it always is. Or it's your turn. We don't really know anymore. We lose track. Yes. But I will do that. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Jam Your Book. It has been a lot of fun to talk about a year in the 1980s again. We still have one left. 1987's coming at some point. So get excited for that. Yeah. But next week, we're going to move on to Jim and Matt at the movies. I don't think we can give thumbs up or down because that might be trademarked. So we'll have to figure something else out. (laughs) But that's fine. We can respect that. It's an A side or a B side. Yeah, that's what we'll have to do. It's A-side or B-side. But until then, we want to thank everybody for listening. We've got some great interaction on Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok again right now. You can find us in all those places. We are putting reels up at least a few times a week to try to entertain you and keep you interested in the music and letting you know when the shows are going to be coming out. So we appreciate that engagement with all of you outside of podcast matt you want to say good night to everybody sure good night goodbye everybody and we'll see you here next time for our soundtrack episode peace love and podcast yeah.